Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope everybody's having a good evening. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Getting the show shared out. You got that right. Share the show out if you would. So kindly go to the website, winningcureseverything.com. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms are there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Periscope. We are on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave us some comments, tell us what you're thinking. Obviously, the show is live right this second. So, uh, so yeah, leave some comments. We can see everything that you're doing. We got uh, we got a few people filing in right now. Um, let's go ahead and, and discuss the advertising. Tunica, Mississippi is the South's premier sports gambling destination. They've got six incredible sports books along with some great steakhouses, great golf courses, great shows coming through town, all sorts of wonderful stuff. You can find all of it over at tunicatravel.com. That is the website. Do uh, do yourself a favor. We were just down there. Yeah, one, one of us cashed a ticket Saturday night. Yeah, I did. Did you cash one? You cashed a ticket? I cashed a ticket. I thought you lost your ticket. No, no, I cashed. <laughs> I cashed my ticket. I, oh, you cashed for the fight. I cashed one from a while ago. <laughs> oh. oh. But I did cash. I did cash. Okay. So, uh, no, I, I I, had a very small wager on Deontay Wilder. That was smart. Very small. That was smart. Um, Not as smart as mine, but that was smart. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Let's... Uh, you know what? I'm not going to give you guys a rundown on what we're going to talk about. We're just going to start talking. Let's just go. Because that's what uh, that's what Tuesday nights are for. We are we are just going to have a nice, long-form conversation, and I am excited about it. Yeah, man. Let's start off NFL Combine and the CBA stuff. Now, you know more about the CBA stuff than I do. Okay. Uh, on The Daily Show, I brought up that it was preposterous to me that nobody was talking about the fact that they're changing the uh, the marijuana Law or rules. That's right. Um, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Before we get into the combine, let's talk about the CBA stuff. Okay. Like, I, I'm going to let you take the lead here because I don't know. Well, I don't know what to. I don't know anything other than what most people know. I, but I have opinions. It's not done yet, right? No. Gosh, no. God, no, okay. no, no, no. They haven't even vo- they've delayed the vote. The players haven't voted on it at all. The owners have put forth a proposal that they agree with. So now it goes to the players. This is a negotiation, by the way. What, what people don't understand is is what the owners have proposed is not gospel. 
And so the okay. player saying yes or no isn't gospel either. This is this is a back and forth that's going to happen. All right. Okay. So we all know. So the leaks that come out typically are going like you. If you read it right, you can tell who the leak is coming from. Right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So so we all know, and, and the the proposal wasn't a leak. That that's public information. Yeah. So the owners want seventeen games, um, and and you're right. One of the things the owners were willing to concede on is we are going to stop testing for marijuana. Yeah. Which I am, I am a huge advocate for. I'm very anti opioid painkiller um, guy. And I think weed is an excellent, excellent replacement for painkillers, hardcore narcotics. Yeah. I also think we live in a day and an age where it's okay for these guys to go out and get bottle service and get drunk as a skunk, but smoking weed is a problem. Okay. I assure you, this this doesn't change the heart of a man, but we'll have far less domestic violence if these guys were high and not intoxicated. I believe yeah, okay. I believe that to be true. I agree with that. Based on the natures I've allegedly heard of marijuana. So um <laughs> But no, I'm with you. I can't believe nobody really is talking about that. I think that's a big deal. I think that's a huge win for the players, even the ones that don't participate in in smoking. It's just I mean, but it, it, all regardless these players, of smoking, whether you're using it recreationally or not, matter. Like, this is a, a great medicinal option. Yes, that's right. So, and it, it, if it gets these guys off of opioids and extends the quality of their life longer, then I'm all in. Then that is so much more important than anything else. Yeah. So so let's get back to the 17 games thing. First thing I want to address is journalists who I believe, and maybe this is my fault, Okay. This is this is shame on me. I hold journalists to a pretty high standard, even guys that I don't always agree with. I assume you're you're well educated and you understand how all this stuff works. All right. And journalists immediately start sharing out tweets of their opinions of the 17 games. And and they blanketly say, you know, I and I and I want to quote some of these people, but it's mostly negative and I don't remember who they were, exactly who said what. So I'm not gonna do that. Um, but like one guy shouted out that, um, 17 games, how does that affect a player's contract? Because these contracts are already built for, you know, some of these guys, five, six years or whatever down the road. And, um, if you just give them another game check, the maximum amount you can pay a player for a game check right now is $250,000. So, your owners, you greedy bastard owners, are getting all this hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, and you're going to pay out two hundred fifty thousand dollars per player for a game check, and that's it. You got to be smarter than that, and you have to know that part of the seventeen games is going to be a revenue split difference. Yeah. All right, yeah, and and it's just it's just not going to be. We're going to make a lot more money, and we're going to throw you guys an extra game check. Like if if you make, for instance, for easy math, let's say you make sixteen million dollars. That's a million dollars a game. If we go to seventeen, then your contract realistically will be prorated around the same. I would guess that's going to happen. Or I and so here we get to my opinion about how that some of this stuff works. Let's go to that. I think okay. seventeen is dumb because I don't understand. Some years this team gets nine, nine home games. games and- 
and, and they're going to do it all. The whole division is the same. That would, that makes sense to me, but, but yeah. I don't know why you have to do it. Just make it 18. Well, so what I had seen was that extra game was going to be everybody played in London. Well, that's not realistic. That's they're not going to do that. And that's kind of that's that won't happen. That won't ha- and that can't happen for long because what do you do when London actually? What if the Jaguars realistically want to move there? Do you now blow up the CBA? That's uh, you can't do that. Yeah, I guess you can't really do that. So, so that's a, that's a bad solution. But just make it 18, and and here's the thing that I have to say with all the people that are crying, um, player health. First thing, I actually like the idea of saying we're going to go to 18 games. We're going to greatly, in- because we have a obscene amount more money coming in with 18 games especially. Right. We're going to greatly increase the player revenue pool, and we're going to bigly uh, increase uh, the amount of roster size. Here's the caveat. You can only play, and I don't like the idea of 16 games. I want to break it down into quarters. So let me do some quick math here. 16 times 4, 64. You can play 64 quarters of football a year. Okay. Now, we, yeah, now you're playing the exact this. same amount of 16 games. And so we've had arguments between us and, and people we're in group chats with and people that we respect their opinions, and they all say, well, but now you're – you're openly incentivizing a team to not put their best roster on the field. That's that's not true because when somebody gets hurt, you replace people all the time. Yeah. Um, this is a thing, but if you do it by quarters especially, any game you're getting blown out in or you're blowing somebody out in, you're really rewarding the team kicking somebody's ass. Yeah. If you can blow somebody out four games a year, you can rest a lot of these special guys yeah. one quarter, each game, or if you're getting your tail whipped, you know it's yeah. Then you got options, but like, it puts the here's what it rewards. That rewards general managers and head coaches that are far smarter than everybody else. So if you have a dope for a general manager and a moron for a head coach, yeah, you probably don't want this. Yeah, and if you've got to know when to take, if you've got a life. really smart guy running things, then you're going to love this. The difference is, is this isn't the rich getting richer. This is the the smarter getting better and 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 you should be rewarding smarter and we should be rewarding those who are doing better that's that's my opinion on it i like that so if you're doing that and everybody has to only play 64 quarters anyway then your salaries shouldn't adjust or or nothing about your player health changes at all anyway right let's take it to the opposite side i respect journalists i think maybe i respect them more than i should i think they should be smarter than they are they tweet out dumb arguments they don't see things big picture they see one little piece and they say we're renegotiating this whole cba well this is one part that i know they suggested right. and i'm going to take all the old rules and i'm going to apply it to this one part and i'm going to show you why this is a bad idea well that shows me you're an idiot and you don't understand this isn't the only thing they're changing yeah i hold them to a high standard people i don't intellectually hold to a high standard players Okay. Yeah. JJ Watt immediately, without getting all the details, tweets out instantly 17 games, hard no, not happening. And you know what? First off, you don't have to worry about 17 games because, brother, you hadn't played 16 (laughs) games a day in your life. All right. Yeah. This is coming from a guy that sits on the couch and you're a way better athlete than I am. You've done more, prefaces by saying, 
J.J. Watt has done more positive things for the world than I will ever do. Okay, He yeah. raises money. He has an influence that I've never had. He doesn't have that influence because he's a smart man, though. Okay? I agree. I believe that if football wasn't a thing, he's a meathead. All right, he is a he is a typical gym rat working a basic job, not using his brain probably. Yeah, why would you try to just hard know it and not listen to all of the argument and and negotiate? Don't don't just close the door and say no and get out. So many people look at it and say and this this is a bad rule of negotiation. I feel like I'm talking a lot and I apologize, but so no no, no this, this is, is good. There's so. The worst thing you could ever do in a negotiation is try to make the other side of the table just lose. Because that doesn't help you get anything. Do you get everything you want, or at least some of what you want, and what you're willing to have to give up? And if you're happy with your side of the deal, then it doesn't matter any other aspect of the deal. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think guys like J.J. Watt see it and say, nope. The owners are going to win on this one. They're going to get a little bit more than us. Screw that. I'm not doing it. And I'm going to use my power and influence in the league, which I have literally a baby toe left in the league and 98% of my body out of the league already. And all these young players are just going to come in. They're going to follow them because they don't know any better. Yeah. That's Uh, a problem. Matt Miller jumped in on YouTube. He said, did you guys see that the owners offered a maximum of 250 grand for the 17th game if you're under contract? Again, what we talked about before, where the leaks are coming from. Yeah. Like, this thing is not done yet. You know what side that that came from. Yeah. So. That's what the contracts are now. The C- current CBA right now is the maximum player game check is $250,000. Yeah. That's today right now. That's not for this new negotiation. Go to them with a counteroffer. And, 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 you know. But you have to be intelligent about these things. This is why they hire an attorney to do this, and they don't let J.J. Watt speak for everybody. Exactly. So I, I just, I'm I'm very interested in how it's going to all shake out. I yeah. I want more football. I want 18 That's games. Hundred percent. What I because want. I want more football. Now I'm the customer. That's what I want. I rarely get what I want when it comes to sports franchises. Because they always find a way to screw it up. I just don't understand the negotiation part of where I just want to screw you. If you and I are in negotiation, and you let's, 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 for example, you say, Chris, we're starting to get paid for the podcast. You own the podcast. I'm here working for you. I'm going to pay you 500 bucks a week to sit here and host this podcast for me. Boy, I would shit my pants. Like, woo, $2,000 a month. Let's go. I'm pumped. Now, Let's say next week I see you get your check and you made $20,000 off the podcast. Cut me my $500. I might not be thrilled about that, but before I knew about your 20 grand, I was pretty damn happy with my 500. Yeah. And that's the deal we negotiated. So when that deal, now that I have new information is over, then I can renegotiate from a point of, Strength, if I've done a good enough job and I feel confident enough in my abilities to do this. But without the podcast, I have no one paying me nothing. Exactly. I yeah. can't just I can't just show up tomorrow for a different podcast to to make you know five hundred bucks or thousand dollars or whatever. So I mean, you could go to the the XF podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like like that's the problem. Is Matt is Miller it, said, "Do you think it will ever be 
No, I don't know that it. No, I don't. Know I don't that think it's it actually. Like, I, no, it, I don't. I think it's impossible to go fifty fifty because yes. isn't it like forty eight forty eight or yeah. whatever? Like yeah, it, I was gonna say because you have you have New York office makes a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but there's a nutsack sitting in New York named Roger Goodell that makes like twenty eight million dollars a year. I thought it was more than that. It might be. I know when he first started, he was in the twenty millions, yeah. and that was like first contract. And the league has done nothing but make more money every year, so I would venture to say he's making more than that. Hey, Siri. How much does Roger Goodell make a year? There's a free plug for Apple there. Here's what I found from sbend.co.uk. Goodell currently makes around $30 million per year. Uh, 28. Yeah, you Pretty were close. close. You Pretty were close. close. All right. Listen. So, this league makes a lot of money. And there is a percentage that goes to New York. You know those new cameras that the referees sit in, in New York and make yeah. really bad decisions all the time on? Those guys get paid a lot of money. That makes you that pisses you off even more when they suck at their job. <laughs> the fact that these guys make so much damn money. As Matt Miller said, he made thirty two million in twenty fifteen. That seems like a lot that long ago. Yeah, I don't think But it, it could have been like a bonus year. I don't who knows? I don't know how any stuff works. I know he gets a private plane for the rest of his life. I know, like, I know he gets a lot of perks to be really bad at his job. Yeah, you know what he's good at? He's making money, but I don't think he's the one making the money. I think the product makes the money. Yeah, I literally believe if football. you were running the NFL, they wouldn't make a dime that they're not already making. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I think you're right about that. You know how we say I do this for half. We're coaches. NFL, Jerry, Kraft, listen, call your boy. You take that salary, you cut it in half. I don't even need a plane. Uh, and make it take e- it in half. Make it easy. Cut it in half. $28 million. I'll do it for, for just smooth. We'll just call it 15 Easy <laughs> math. And, and you'd be better at this. I'd be a lot better than Roger. I, I, I wouldn't be the best option. I do believe I'd be better than Roger. Yeah. Yeah. Without ever doing the job before in my life, I believe I'd be better than him. Let's see. We are 17 minutes and 25 seconds Sorry. to end at this point. So That's my opinion about the CBA stuff. Let's talk about the uh, the combine. Okay. We uh, we measured. Uh, we, we had a measuring contest. We measured our uh, our, we, uh, our hands. We used our, our trusty ruler here. Gary provided the ruler, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if it's regulation or not. Oh, it's 100% regulation. Brought it from work. So... I'll take it back tomorrow if anybody's paying attention. Um, so I am I am at eight and a half inches, and you are what a touch over nine. I'm, yeah, I, I would call myself right at nine. So I believe I believe Joe Burrow and I have Joe, the same yeah. size uh, uh, hands. Hands. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so Burrow, yeah, uh, everybody was ragging on him, making fun of him, and whatnot, and he had a classic. Tweet. I love this guy more and more every day. And the tweet said, uh, thinking about hanging it up. Yeah. Thinking about retiring. Um, Hands too small. My hands are too small. Ball is obviously going to slip out of my hands. That's right. Nothing that I did last year mattered at all. So I'm I'm probably just done, guys. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, (laughs) you know, hang on. Keep, keep talking about this for for Um, 30 seconds. The, the other one that nobody seems to be discussing at all that you brought up. I know, is that no. You, is that what you were about to nope. look at? Okay. I got that. Uh, Jake Fromm was actually smaller than that. What was his uh, eight and seven eight eights? Eight and seven eights. That's right. Yeah, so even smaller than. He's an eighth than shorter than 
Burrow's um, uh, hands. So, yes, in, in some instances, it does matter whether you have a big hand or not, right? Like, whether you can fully wrap all the way around the football. Yep. But truth be told, uh, are you, like, if you know that the guy can throw, what does it matter? It really shouldn't. I mean, His I, hand size is the exact same as Kyler Murray's from last year. Kyler is going to run far more than Burrow did. Yeah. Kyler had two fumbles last year. There you go. Two. Two. Played all 16 games. There you go. I'll be damned. Didn't drop the ball very much at all. Matt Miller said, who would be your number one wide receiver? And, Chris, are you hating Colin Cowherd more every day with his Burrow takes? Have you heard of Cowherd's takes? No. I, mean, look, I, I, I hadn't paid attention. I've been – I've been this week especially, work has been slow this year. This week, we, we picked up a lot. I've listened to almost nothing. Yeah. So, it is, it is just – Running, gunning, showed up on Tuesday, ready to talk. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah. <laughs> like the only um, thing I've listened to is a, a, a comedy podcast. Yeah, so I'm very, I'm very curious about the that our friend John Lacombs. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him out there. Okay, he uh, from Westlot Pirates guy. We don't quote John a lot. Um, John John has a very Interesting take on the hand measuring thing. So many people are really bothered by the hand measuring dick joke thing going on all the time. It happens every year. And he's a pretty wise guy. And he yeah. and he uh he speaks a lot of truth. And he basically says, Listen, you can measure people's hands and live with the dick jokes. Or you can stop measuring their hands at all and nobody will make any dick jokes. But you don't get both. If you're going to measure their hands publicly. You're going to get those. We're going to make dick jokes. And yeah. and I'm, I'm in, I mean, the, the eighth grade boy to me loves every bit of it. Uh, yes, 100%. I'm 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 Doesn't pro. Seem like something every that- dick joke. My immediate response <laughs> when I heard the nine inch hand was, oh, that's why he was willing to go down immediately in the Mississippi State game when the dude tried to pants him, and and we saw his butthole, but he wanted to make sure nobody saw his dingaling. Yeah, huh? Because if he was just slinging a you know a meat stick, then then he would have been like, I don't care. I'm getting his first down. Rip these britches off. Yeah, I'm getting away from this dude and throwing this ball. Something to think about. Yeah, something to uh, think about. We are going to have a guest. Here momentarily. Now, do I know this person? You know this person. Yep. Okay. He he's a regular. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Then. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he's a regular. He, he's going to come on and talk so to yeah. Wilder. For and you. and if anybody wants to know, we can end this conversation with Adam Carolla. Is for all the people out there wondering. There's there's one acceptable way to. We have to learn how to standardize these things. Is he about to be a part of this conversation? He's well. He's in right now. Okay. TJ, how you doing, buddy? Up, oh, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop talking. It, it decided to uh, swap off of the uh, the roadcaster. All right, we got you now. There we go. I'm checking <laughs> in with my boys, so we're just we're just live, live, live tonight, huh? Oh, we are, we are we're live, live, live. Now, hold on. I'm 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 finishing finishing a bit, and then we'll we'll go on. <laughs> we're, we're 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 talking about measuring hands, and then we move to measuring uh, manhood. So we we all have to get on the same standard oh. of unit here, okay? It, all men all over the place have to. 
We have to measure the exact same way. There is no cheating this. And Adam Carolla is one of the wisest men that, that, that I have ever had the fortune of listening to and learning under. And, and he just teaches you the, the, the most simplest way possible to measure your manhood. So, guys, we have to get on the same page. You take a, stick, you know, a, yard, a piece of yarn, and, and you start at the base of the anus. You go around the ball sack <laughs> twice and just past the tip. And if we all do that, then at least we all know where we're at in this whole game of life. Yes. I think that number makes everybody sound just a little bit better. I think it's the most accurate way of getting standardized measurements. <laughs> I just think that's important. Hey, TJ, how are you? I, I was not I expecting think, TJ to be a part of that conversation. I do I do not think that I will ever look at Chris Giannini on the Winning Cures Everything YouTube shows the same way again after that last <laughs> little bit of information. I don't know how I can look at you the same way after that without thinking just of the word yarn. I'm going to think of the word yarn from here on out. That's good. You'll never look at a ball of yarn. You never watch your grandmother knit again the same. Exactly. <laughs> Can't watch the cat, you know, somewhere play with a ball of yarn. Granny, I'm gonna need to no. borrow that ball. Now, if that ball of yarn disappears at Granny's house, we're gonna we're gonna know where it went. Okay. Oh see, my goodness! Right. What did I what did I stumble into? I mean, uh, we, uh, you know, we were talking combine. Seegers is, is sending me messages that you guys are talking about the combine. You want to talk about the Wilder fight? And I tune in. And I'm getting like the Playboy channel. Well, that was the end of the here. combine talk. Yeah, yeah no, just, we, we yeah, talked just a, locker, just a little locker room talk. We talked for 20 minutes on the CBA, <sighs> and uh, and now just a touch on the combine because we're Chris hasn't had a chance to talk about any of this stuff, so I kind of rambled for yeah 17 of those 20 minutes, which That's was fine. Perfect. Which was perfect. Let Maybe. me say, let me say too uh, what I have said numerous times, numerous places for numerous years. Uh, it is amazing. Amazing maybe doesn't do it justice. It is stunning and staggering how much adults are now paying attention to guys that are possibly going to be drafted in their T-shirt and their shorts doing cone drills, oh, yeah. vertical jumps, uh, you know, up-downs, whatever else they have them doing. It's, uh, and, mo- and most of the important players aren't doing anything football-related, much less in a helmet and pads. And we have just gone gaga uh, uh, over this. Uh, you know, the Bucks, the Bucks coach, uh, Bruce Arians, was kind of taking a rip at the whole process today uh, at the Combine itself and said, we have just become so enamored with having to have the measurables like what you guys are talking about and ha- having to see what a guy looks like on the broad jump from a standing yeah. position as if that actually matters when we when we go to play the game. So no, it's, it's just ridiculous. No, so that's something that I've, I've mocked a lot, and I don't know why NFL Good. teams, when they bring players in, I want to put you in shoulder pads, and I want to see how fast you are running that 40-yard dash with a football in your hand. Because right. I, I remember when I played football, we had a lot of guys that were crazy fast, but they never made running back because when you put pads on and they had to carry a ball – they slowed down significantly, and other guys were way faster than them, but they weren't sprinters. And it's just a different skill set to hold something and try to run. Yeah. And honest to God, the, the, you know, they're going to do the drills where you see some of the receivers catching passes and they've got no pads on, right, got no helmet on. But they let them have those the, sticky gloves. Yeah, <laughs> but even at those pro days, 
we we get so enamored with oh he can make all of the all all of the throws that we're looking to make. What what happened to look at the 11, 12, 13, or 14 games that they played last year to tell you that he can make those throws? And that's that's, that's partly what that's we were discussing with, with the yeah. Burrow thing. Right? Yeah, we're we were mocking it basically. Um, the other the other part of that is, and, and this is why we have those. By the way, it's it's television, it's content, it's yes. the writers and the league needs. This is a free commercial. This right, is free content for the NFL. But I just sure. don't understand why they can't do it with pads on. (laughs) Like, I'm totally fine with the 40-yard dash. Now, the problem is is we want to measure him against Deion Sanders' 40-yard dash, and he wasn't wearing pads and a helmet. Let's let's start new 2020, and let's not worry about what happened last year or the 100 years before that. Yeah. Let's find the most efficient way of doing these things, and let's do it that way. I like that idea. I like it, too. Right. I like it too. All right, what else, boys? You want to talk a little boxing? Did you already talk about the fight? No, we want to talk so about far? the fight. We with want you. to talk the fight. So let's uh, let's dive into this thing. Uh, so we went to watch it. We went down to Tunica. Um, we watched a little bit of the undercard there. Made our way back up to South Haven. Ended up watching the fight uh, at a bar, which was slammed. It was really nice to see. Uh, to see bars in in casinos and whatnot slammed out for. Yeah, a we left the casino fight. because. We couldn't get a table, yeah. And if you didn't have a table, once the big fight started, they were kicking everybody out if you weren't seated. Yeah. So they let you wow, stand around that. the bar for the undercard, but they weren't going to let you stand around the bar for the main event. Yep. Luckily, we asked about that before before anything. Before we else, got yeah. into no man's land, we had enough time to jet it back. Yeah. So we we missed the uh, the the headliner of the undercard. Yeah. Um. But we got back in plenty of time to see the walkout. Oh yeah, the, we saw all the all glam, that. all the glitz, all the everything. Oh the the and now the walkout controversy for Deontay yeah. Wilder with the costume on. Well, first of all, have you have you ever seen? I mean, I have now seen a lot of different crazy uh, entrances from professional wrestling, and there have been some fighters uh, over the years that have had some wild interests, but I mean, for, for Tyson Fury at six nine two seventy five to be carried out by those dudes on the big throne, uh, like he's a, like well, no, he's it was, it was women, it was women you know, and they were, they were it, rolling him out there. <laughs> it was crazy. Yes, it was. Uh, the, the song was appropriate. Patsy Klein crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that how long that went, it went for like six or seven minutes of them getting him to the ring. Yeah. Um, He's so that, that was a little much, <laughs> and now we got Wilder making the excuse that his costume was too heavy, and he didn't realize it, and, and that sapped his legs, sapped his strength. Um, it, you know, uh, I, I will give full credit to Tyson Fury. He deserves full credit. He was the better man. He was the more aggressive fighter. He was the guy that had the better strategy. Part of that strategy is I'm going to use my weight, and I'm going to lean on Deontay Wilder and wear him down. And we've seen other fighters do that. Ali very famously did it to George Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah. I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to pull his head down. I'm going to keep wearing him down, clinch after clinch and round after round. So he deserves credit for all of those things. But it was a sloppy fight. Yes, uh, it was. Deontay Wilder may very well, guys, have had a concussion uh, after that after that third round knockdown, he certainly did not have steady legs, as as Andre Ward and, and Lennox Lewis kept remarking as the analysts on the broadcast. He doesn't have his legs, Andre. Well, no, he he got him. he got punched in the back yeah. of the head. I mean, that's it, it, and yeah. so one of the things that he was discussing in 
the Kevin Aoli interview, in the uh, the athletic interview, et cetera, et cetera, was all of these things that the referee told me that I would be disqualified for. Tyson right. Fury did all of those things. He punched after after the break. He punched after the bell. He hit me in the back of the head, and he actually did all of those things. Like we sat and watched it. And he didn't I, I hit said, him in the back of the head. He hit him in the ear. No, he hit him in the back of the head. It like, was kind of a glancing. I, off yeah, the I watched that fight off, with off you. You said that. Yeah. I said no. He hit him on the ear, and then literally the next view we get is a replay of the hit. It looks like he hit him square in the ear, and the other part is you see him in the corner, and his ear hole is bleeding. Yes, you don't it, get hit in the back of the head, and your ear hole start we're, bleeding. We're talking two different punches, though. That's it. We're because well, he did get hit. I thought. TJ, tell me if I I'm wrong here. Live, I thought live that the punch had hit him in the back of the head, and when you watch it. Again, slowed down. It's more off the shoulder and the back of the head. But whatever that was, he was not the same fighter after that. Apprehensive, wobbly legged, whatever excuse you want to use from that moment on, he was not steady. I mean, there were times where you're just you're waiting for him to plant and fire a punch and his legs would wobble and he would kind of reach out for the rope. And that's what that's what the announcers kept bringing up. And so. That part was uh, was definitely weird, and I thought the stoppage of the fight too uh, was weird, and a lot has been made of that. Ooh, I called I that. Went, landed, yeah. you know, one solid punch, and then kind of a flurry of sloppy punches that weren't landing, and here came the towel, and and now uh, you know now Wilder is blaming Mark Breland, saying, "Hey, we've been we've been over this and been over this." He well, and he fired supposed him. Supposed to throw the towel. Yes, yeah. he fired so, him. So I'm going to tell you, we I didn't. So I don't know a lot about. Gary and I are watching this fight with a couple other people, and we're sitting there, and they are they are showing Wilder in his corner with his guys, and all I'm looking at is the face on Wilder. And I told Gary, this fight ends this round. And he said, do you think he gets knocked out? And I said, I think I think the ref or the corner is going to stop it. Yeah, I said he thought, those, he thought it would be a medical. Stoppage. I said those words right there. The ref is going to stop this, or the corner is going to stop this because this guy is his eyes look dead to me i don't think he's capable of defending himself and at some point in time somebody else is going to see that as well and they're going to have an right. obligation to stop the fight i absolutely called that i, I think right. i think he was dead on his feet um and and, and i actually breland, agree with it and mark breland has been there as a former world champion and he's been knocked out a couple of times right. in his career one of those was a very scary knockout um, uh, back in the in the early 1990s, later in his career, so uh, I think he could sense what you could sense, but at, but at the same time, I didn't think that Wilder was in imminent danger there. He had his guard still up. He was yep. even throwing a punch. Yeah, he, when he, his his guard was, was up, but punch, every so. every punch Fury threw went straight through his hands. So that I thought that was interesting. Like, yes, his hands were up blocking his face. But Fury threw punches, and they went straight through his block and hit him right in the face. And after he does that two or three times, man, if if you have a responsibility to say, this guy cannot defend himself. He's tr he's doing what he's supposed to do to defend himself, and he can't. Just because he can throw a punch doesn't mean he can defend himself. Well, the uh, so the bottom line is Fury now has the championship. We more than likely are going to get this fight again because both sides had agreed uh, that that no matter who won, if the loser wanted a rematch, they would do it again and both make a couple of, uh, you know, 25, 30, 35 million dollar paydays again. Why not? Uh, I completely 
disagree and say to those that, that are poo-pooing the third fight, you're, you're telling me that Deontay Wilder gets a month or so here to recover, get his legs back under him, goes back to train, tactically looks at what went on, that you're not going to be intrigued as to whether he can land that booming, thunderous right hand. We're all going to be intrigued because that's this is really like Custer's last stand here for Deontay. He's got to demonstrate, can he land the big punch? Can he land the huge punch? Can he be more skilled? Can he be better? Can he be sharper can in this next himself? fight? And I believe... Yeah. I believe there is some intrigue as to whether that can happen. I think the public will buy it, and I think they're going to have a third fight, and it's probably going to be in July, guys. So so I agree that they're going to have it. I think they've already announced that he's going to do the rematch. Yeah, he, he, um, told, uh, he told ESPN and whoever yeah. else, like, yes, I'm doing the but, rematch. But, but so I'm one of those guys that's poo-pooing it. Um, Gary and I talked a little bit before the show started. What else do we have to see? They fought 19 rounds, 17 of them were to Fury in this last fight was complete domination. I actually think Fury won the first fight as well, that they got a draw. And the right. reason the reason you're talking about that one punch, see, I grew up watching Tyson, you know, and, and he was a one-punch guy. So when he got beat, it looked like he got beat bad. And when he didn't, he killed people because he just hit you with one punch and your lights were out. The problem I have with that argument is I watched Wilder hit him with that right hand and knock him to the ground in fight one. And like The Undertaker rising from the dead – Fury just got his big ass right back up. And I thought, A, I never thought anybody would take that punch and get back up. But when I saw him get back up, I thought, this is Fury's fight. Fury, Fury has won this fight. They didn't give it to him. It was a, They called it a draw. But Fury won that fight because that's all Wilder's got. He's got that one trick, and it's a hell of a trick. But that man cannot be knocked out. He just, he just can't. No, there's nobody alive that's going to knock him out. I've seen it. I've seen two of these fights. I think Fury dominated both of them. So well, we'll see. Now it's going to be a payday. It's going to be a hell of a payday. Now Wilder's going to take oh, yeah, a little but... smaller cut because he lost. Um, what do you think about the excuse? Honestly, like do you, like this is this is garbage, right? Like this thing costs weighed forty pounds or whatever. Military guys that are you know one hundred and thirty pounds or well, not one hundred, but one hundred and eighty pounds run with like 70 pounds on them yes. for miles and miles and including miles. Including their weapon, including yeah. their, their food. Their packs. Oh, look, that's I, that's I think he, ridiculous, at this right? At point, there's, there's two or three things. He's gripping for an explanation as to why he lost. Uh, he's looking to play the blame game. And, and nobody nobody ever likes sore losers or excuse makers, and so I'm not going to defend that. He, he, you know, he should have just left it at Fury is the better man, I will be better in the next go around and let's see what happens here uh, in this, in this matchup uh, it's the third time around. And I, I will simply submit to you. That's the intrigue of the fight as to whether he can land that big punch again. Uh, he was not nearly aggressive enough uh, at the beginning of this fight. He was feeling him out at the beginning of the fight. The second yeah. round, he landed a couple of times for us to really tell for us to really know uh, whether or not he could put punches together, Wilder, we're talking about, and land the big one. Um, so we'll see. I think part of the part of the mindset has to be if they don't do the rematch right now, he may never get the chance at the rematch again because Tyson Fury may retire. He may go to MMA. He may go to professional wrestling. Yeah. He may go to something else a year from now. So if you don't take the chance right now of getting back in the ring with him right now, short term, the next five six months, you may never get the chance to fight him again. So, well, because I mean, he was just doing WWE. That's right. Three months ago, however, however long ago that was. Um, 
so yeah, like you, you obviously and it, it, fighters mentality. You want to go back and because he's never been beaten before. That's right. In your brain, no. you're going, okay. I just fought in November. I only had three months to get ready for this. Like, well, I it's going to be a payday. It is going to be a payday. Yeah, I, be, I get and, that. And he's 35 years old. But like, this it, is one of the things I don't know. like about boxing. If this was ran by an organization that told people when they were going to fight instead of them getting to pick their own fights whenever they want. At some point in time, I would like to see Wilder and Joshua fight one another because they're the same style guys. Like, those two dudes throw punches. They knock one another out. I uh, think that's a great fight. Well, and, the, other, the other thing is Joshua is a much more polished fighter, was a more polished amateur, better well, yeah. jab, and is well, younger and is still true. allegedly learning and developing. I think you make a good point that Wilder is soon to be 35 years old. Yep. What is he going to be able to come up with at age 35. I mean, this is not Rocky two or I'm sorry, uh, Rocky three with let's go train with Apollo Creed and learn how to fight in an orthodox stance and learn how to get some footwork and some, and run on the beach and beat <laughs> Apollo in a head to head race. I mean, this is not, you know, fantasy land here. This yeah. is real life. What is he really going to learn from a skill standpoint and a tactical standpoint uh, from a from a potential standpoint, so yeah. Anthony Joshua potentially can be better because That's, he's I only agree. like twenty four years old. Yeah. So let's uh, let's see. Uh, you know, and for Deontay Wilder, good for him. This is another point that needs to be brought up. Uh, and and Gary, I know you're an Alabama guy too. You can't say enough about this guy's success story. Oh you no! Cannot, from total poverty, from from needing money for his daughter, the guy was working three jobs at one point. Yeah. One of them was a line cook at IHOP. He was making food at IHOP. He was driving a beer truck. These were the things he was doing to try to make a living. For that guy to now become a world championship fighter making $25 million for a fight, what a success story. Oh, Good absolutely. on him. And let's just, let's just see if he can cash in one more time uh, here and, and then cash out with still some health some brains and that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, uh, he's, he's not in bad shape, uh, mentally as much as anything. So we'll see, but this is, this is a phenomenal story from where he came from. And a lot of guys have come from that kind of a destitute. I was just about to say, that's the story of yeah. fighting though. Like no, yeah, no, nobody guys, who comes from guys. prosperity goes into fight. No, yeah. they just don't generally do it. No, yeah. right. Generally no. It's a, yeah, it's a, uh, so, it's a broke man sport. But, but still, I mean, for him to have had nothing in his adult life, I mean, uh, basically welfare situation, and to now have $20, 30 $35 being thrown at him, what a country. What yeah. The, oh, what, yeah. What's no. the phrase in the present day? What a time to be alive. That's right. Go oh, take yeah. advantage of it. Go fight Tyson Fury one more time. So this is one more thing I want to bring up. This was brought up by somebody we watched the fight with, one of Gary's friends. And I guess I never noticed it in the first fight, but I absolutely, once it was pointed out, could not look away from it. Do these guys just not do leg day at all, ever? Because Tyson Fury (laughs) is a big, big hombre, okay? He's a big boy. 80% of his weight comes from his waist up. I mean, literally, he's got no ass, no legs, no ankles. How do you hold that up? And, and Wilder is the exact same. They got the skinniest little legs I've ever well, seen. And honestly, with the, with the rare exceptions, like Tyson was a rare Yeah, I was going to say, those guys used to have massive legs. Holyfield had big legs. Uh, right. A lot of these guys don't. You just you don't see that. You see the slender, the, you know, the slender lower build. 
Uh, and a lot of it is conditioning. They're doing a lot of road work. They're doing a lot of running. They don't have to do a lot of leg lifting and that kind of. Do you think that, that would have helped him, though, like if he came Maybe. in there? Now, I was I always mean, taught when I was boxing. Wilder did not have legs in that fight literally the yes. other night. So you can make you can make the argument about uh, why that was. But, uh, yeah, it's a good point that you make about it. And, and Wilder was about 20 pounds heavier um, at, at 230, what, 232, whatever right. it was. In yeah. this fight than the first one. Because he had fought the previous fight at about 215, always fighting in the 210, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And was a little heavier for this fight, so well, he didn't we'll put see. any of that on below the waist at all. Um, so right, I, and I just grew up, you know, learning about. If you ever watch The Office, you learn from from Toby. All the power comes from your back leg. These guys don't have legs. None of their power comes from the back leg. It's just all just hips and chest and arms. Yeah, there you go. Whatever uh, works. We've got Matt Miller on YouTube right now. He said, "If you could pick any heavyweight fighter to." ever fight against Fury, who would you like to see? Like, ever in history? Ever in history. Probably Foreman. Just two fat guys. I want Foreman at Fat Foreman. <laughs> who? How? And Fat, and fat um, Give me, Fury. Uh, and look, I'm going to cop out. Give me Tyson in his prime. Let me see if Tyson, who would have been I, much smaller, much less not, yeah, much, I mean, much smaller, you're talking about. I Tyson's mean, that is, like 5'11", and, but, but he, he was like a bulldog, right. man. Tyson he, Tyson fought numerous huge guys, whether, I mean, go back and look at these names. Bone Crusher Smith was one of those names. Uh, Tony Tucker was another one of those names. Um, he fought Tyrell Biggs, a former U.S. Olympian. All of those guys were significantly bigger than him including when he was a contender, coming up as a contender, he fought two or three contenders that were bigger dudes, bigger, heavier dudes, and he always got inside on them, got to the body, got the uppercut in on them with the, with the fast hands. Yes, Tyson Fury would have had a 780-inch reach, probably a 60-pound or, or so weight advantage, but it would have been fascinating to see could Iron Mike chop him like a tree, chop him to the body, chop him with that uppercut in the day because he did it to a lot of other big guys there. So I've listened to a few different podcasts. Uh, do you have anywhere to go or are we, are we keeping you over? We're still good. Okay. We're still good at the moment. Um, Fire away. So I, I listened to a few podcasts and you know, Brian Campbell and, and a few other guys out in Vegas that, uh, that were talking about this fight. And they said that the way that Wilder was going at this fight felt a whole lot like Tyson Back when the the Tokyo fight, the Buster Douglas fight, right, Buster Douglas, that you know he he just thirty had years his ago gu- this month, yeah, we're yeah. still in February. He, thirty he years just, ago this month, he just had his guys that he's that he's always had, and he wasn't really trying to do anything extra for this. It was just like a celebration that this was just like this was my payday. This you know, like it, not that it didn't matter, but that. It's like he didn't realize it really mattered until it was too late. There you go. Well, and then did the corner help him enough? Was there enough advice? Was there enough urgency in that corner to fire him up? And let me give you an example on the podcast that I host, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And we did a we did a post-fight podcast with one of my colleagues. whose name is T.C. Martin. He was right there in the arena. T.C. does five-day-a-week radio in Las Vegas weekday afternoons, and he was right there in the MGM Grand Garden Arena. He he told me before the fight, Tyson Fury's going to win, and he's probably going to win by knockout, and he was right. Uh, so he was one of the guys that was on that. But I talked to J.D., the trainer of Deontay Wilder, on a preview on the Big Fight Weekend Preview Podcast, and J.D. said something interesting now that we've had the second fight and what's happened has happened. 
I asked him about what did you learn from the first fight that you can apply? What have you tactically gone over? How much have you studied the first fight? And he said, we really have not studied the first fight a lot. Deontay knows from having been in the ring with him what he can do with hand speed, what he can do with footwork. We're going to walk him down is what JD's was saying. We're going to, we're going to use the jab as the range finder and he's going to hit him with that big right hand. So he basically was poo-pooing away. How much strategy session did they do off the first fight? How much did they go over? That what is, are we going to do differently? That would have been and a handy piece of information that, for many, many boy, did that Yeah. Did that look like the case when the fight happened the other night that they had not done a lot of strategy and a lot of homework and, uh, and it, and it really came back to yeah. bite him. It really came back to haunt him. Oh, that is just remarkable. Just, just remarkable stuff. His line to me was Deontay has it locked in from having been in the ring with him the first time about the movement, about using the left, about circling to the left. These were the things JD was mentioning. Uh, JD's was mentioning was th- these are the things that Deontay is going to be ready for because he fought him already. So that's, uh, you know, again, that's where maybe your, your parallel is good that in that Tyson corner, it was his bros. It was his guys. It yeah. was his friends. Well, and, and he a, didn't have somebody to get in his face, motivate him. They, they, didn't, they didn't do a good enough job of preparing. And then when the check came due, when Buster Douglas is putting it on him, they didn't have answers. They didn't have uh, adjustments that they're making during the fight. And I, and I thought that was a fair criticism, too, of Mark Breland, who, again, is a former world champ. Where, where was the advice in the fourth round, the fifth round, or maybe Breland was sensing at that point, this guy's got a concussion, he's not the same fighter, yeah. and it doesn't matter what I tell him well, I think, right I now. Think you it's needed not, to know, not going to get through. You, didn't, you needed to know at the end of the first round uh, because you could tell it almost immediately. Like the first round, obviously, they're filling each other out a little bit, but you can see yeah, what, but filling the, them out, what the scheme is. He went to the ground twice filling them out. Well, yeah, but that was over like it, the first round. No, 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 no. First round, nobody went to the ground. Uh, yeah, there were there were no knockdowns. In okay, the first second round. round. Uh, a little excited here, Jenny. Yeah, uh, it was second, not the first. It was the second third round. round. Was uh, he got pushed down, yeah. but it wasn't considered a knockdown. That's right. Uh, third round was the knockdown. Okay. Um, but it, so all of that to come back around, you could tell almost immediately in the second round that you needed to make adjustments, and his corner did not help him with anything. But the like problem was, is, is was, if he hasn't been preparing all, you know, year for this. Well, see, that's the thing. In, in, in one in, in November, in one minute, you're not learning all this stuff new. Yeah. If you weren't prepared all this time, I can't give it to you in a minute while you're trying to catch your breath after right. your ears bleeding. Like that, yeah. there is no adjustment at that point. You you can only make adjustment off the things that you've learned. Right, and they had learned nothing. So I don't know that that's a corner problem. That's a trainer problem. There's a big difference. All, all of the above, and so uh, we'll see. We'll see if they learn some things from this. There will be some intrigue, and we're gonna we're gonna see it again later in the summer when we get to the lull of the summer. We're gonna have Wilder and and Fury again. I, I'm hoping July August uh, get it in before football season starts. Yep. It'll be perfect, and yep. and they'll actually uh, they'll actually make some money off of it. On summer, I am all good with that. So it, I'll and tell by you. the way, one more quick note: Tyson Fury climbed the mountain back oh, in yeah. 2015 and beat Vladimir Klitschko and went off the deep end. By the way, with drugs, with alcohol, with all that stuff. Again, it is fantasy land, absolute fantasy land. 
to think that those temptations are not going to be there. The temptation to not take your training seriously. Oh, yeah. All of those things and all of those problems are still going to be there. That could be a subplot for a third fight later this summer. Now that he's won again and he's got everybody in his life telling him how great he is and he's got all the money that he could want. Let's it's, see what happens. It could be Andy Ruiz all yeah. over again. Andy Ruiz, be... everybody in the world knew. He did a, a, it did a podcast with Bill Simmons at the Ringer like two weeks after he had won the title, and he shows up in a, in a Bentley, and he already <laughs> looked fatter than that. And Bill said, I knew that day he is not going to win the rematch yeah. because – this guy has been doing nothing but partying, which I, so right. I, I grew up with, with fans of boxing my entire life. And, and I was taught at a very early age, having an uncle that was in the gambling business helped a little of this, but I was taught at a very early age, these prize fighters, they literally live day to day. These guys have a mentality. They, they live a lifestyle. They might not be alive 72 hours from now, the way they live their lives. Yeah. Because you look at the list, I used to look at the list of people who have made like $50 million and blew it all, or $10 million back in the 80s and blew it all. And they, the top eight to ten of them were all prize fighters. And it was just like, yeah, those guys don't care about tomorrow's payday. They don't know they're going to be alive tomorrow. It's just the way they live their life. Yeah. It's also what makes them a great fighter is they're usually just that, they have that mentality of, man, I'm living for today. Hey, you, TJ, you know what? Uh, you know what Chris told me before the fight the other night. He said, "Always bet on the crazy guy." Oh yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> whenever that that is a rule of thumb in anything. I don't care size difference, and that's where you might have Tyson have the advantage. But I don't know, man. Fury is nuts. Fury's nuts. I put money on Fury, and and everybody with us was all wilder, wilder, wilder. And I said, man, that dude is cool, calm, and collective. And that other guy over there. He's crazy. And when he did that little tongue thing with the blood, I was like, <laughs> this guy's ball. I'm on the right side of this fence. Chalk another one up to crazy logic. Uh, are you going to watch the uh, ring to crazy? So you're right. Crazy yeah. won the other night. Are you, uh, are you going to watch uh, Garcia and uh, who is it? Vargas? Vargas. That'll be yeah. an interesting fight. Again, it's a non-title fight. It's kind of an eliminator fight in the welterweight division. Mikey Garcia, uh, moving up to welterweight a year ago at this time and lost to Errol Spence. And Jesse Vargas wants to take full advantage here of the biggest stage that he's been on for one of these fights. And these guys, again, are getting in the mix, trying to get with Spence or get with Terrence Crawford or get with somebody for a, for a welterweight title shot. So well, I think that, that uh, will be interesting, it, and, and it, we'll see Eddie, what happens Saturday night. Eddie Hearn said that, uh, that after this one, I think Garcia's wanting uh, Pacquiao. Like I, I well, think you, you know, uh, one of the interesting things is all these promoters keep wanting to make fights with fighters that they don't uh, oversee or don't run. They just take, yeah. they take turns with that because Manny Pacquiao is under the uh, under the control of Premier Boxing Champions and Al Heyman, and there's still a lot of speculation that he's going to end up fighting Conor McGregor. How about that? Yeah, because Later they, in the year, who they're, knows? They're both uh, they're who? both represented by Paradigm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. This is so, this is the part knows? of boxing that I hate. And I wish there was somebody who could say, a Dana White who could say, you and you are going to fight. And it's going to be a great fight and everybody's going to come out to watch it and neither one of you can back out. You either fight for a living or you don't. And you don't get to handpick opponents. Yeah. Can't say that I blame you, but that that tube, that, tis, that toothpaste has been out of the tube for like 40 years. Where I, the fighters control, it. like you've been talking about, who they fight and for how much money and what their deal is. 
Um, and, in, and in the case of Dana White, he's got them all under his thumb because they need the check and they're not making a whole lot. So they have to be beholden to how much he can pay them and when to fight and where and that kind of stuff. These guys, like you mentioned, it's the Wild West. They go make their deal wherever they can, make as much as they can, and good for them. We would all we would all want to make fifteen. 20, I don't begrudge the money they make. I mean, Conor McGregor is now a star in the in, in UFC, and he makes a lot of money when he, he he's fights. He's held to different standards, but but I get it. But okay, <laughs> the, these guys, if you're a star and you're a champion, then you should be held to a different standard. I'm, I don't begrudge the amount of money. I just don't like that I can duckify or because my promoters are also the promoters of this guy, then then they're only going to – the reason we weren't going to get Wilder Joshua for the longest time is they were represented by two different groups, and so those groups are never going to let each other fight. That that pisses me off. I want to see that fight. I don't disagree. We lose out, but that's why this Wilder Fury was a good one because they came together. Yep, they're going to come together once more. Yep, and we will uh, and we will see what happens after that, boys. You Look got that right. Manny Pacquiao is forty-one years old. <laughs> yes, he is. Hang them hey, trunks up. He's man. No, he's he's still fighting. I he's know still, he is. He's still looking good too. Well, he looks great, but all right. At some point in time, blows <laughs> to the head. The blows yeah, to the head. Yeah, need to stop. The, and you just you just said it. And here's the other thing. What do we know about Father Time? Yeah, undefeated. Father Time is undefeated no yeah. matter what the sport, no matter who we're talking about. He's 41 fighting younger guys. Sooner or later, no matter what PEDs you might be taking, which there is long suspicion been out there about him taking them, how is he still so strong and such a powerful puncher at welterweight? The guy used to fight like 122 at 126, 126 pounds. He's now fighting at 147 and hammering guys that he fights at 147 at 40, 41 years of age. So there's suspicion everywhere. But sooner or later, you don't have the reflexes anymore. Sooner or later, you get in there with somebody that can pop you when you don't have the reflexes anymore. That's what Chris's point is. Is that the next fight? Is that the second, you know, is that two fights from now, which is probably his last fight anyway? That's that's where we are with Manny Pacquiao at this point. And yep. You may be right. Thanks, All TJ. Right, TJ, we'll let you go. Everybody, make sure that you go and subscribe to the Three Dog Thursday podcast, yes. the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, you've got a website for that too, right? BigFightWeekend.com? That's correct. You can go to BigFightWeekend.com. We're writing all in the aftermath of the Wilder Fury fight. Thank you for the plug. BigFightWeekend.com. Podcast is Big Fight Weekend, same way. Uh, that you find uh, your podcast uh, and you find the website, just look for Big Fight Weekend. And, yeah, the Three Dog Thursday podcast, we'll probably talk a little boxing on that, but a lot more college basketball because we are just days away from the best month there is, the month of March. We can't talk <laughs> enough college hoops, boys. You got so that So go right. find the Three Dog Thursday podcast because it is all about who's going to be those one seed, who's going to be the teams left out, can't wait to talk about that on Three Dog Thursday. You can search for that as well, and I always love being on with you guys. Uh, and i got to get you back on Three Dog Thursday to talk some college hoops, Gary and Chris. Get hey, with me. Absolutely. Get with me on the show. I am, uh, I am 57.76% against the spread this year. I would not be did very good right you have UNLV Saturday night against San Diego State? I did not touch that game. Wow. <laughs> there was no chance. I, I lost money that. on Baylor. How about that? That helped. So, no, I, uh, I'll i tell you what. I uh, I did cover with Iowa plus eight and a half this evening. So, there you go. <laughs> I covered by half there a point. There you go. Well, I had, I had uh, two big ones from last week. Kansas straight up at Baylor, and I loved BYU at home with Gonzaga, both of them oh, straight yeah. up that came through. 
Welcome, welcome to March. We saw Baylor lose their 23-game win streak. We saw San Diego State lose a 26-0 start to the season. And we saw Gonzaga, Gonzaga. who had won, I believe, 18 or 20 games in a row, lose as well in a span of about 12 hours. And it's not even March yet. And the uh, longest winning streak in the country still continues, and that is Dayton with 17 straight wins. How so, about that? Not too shabby. I can uh, I can get down with that. I can get down with that. All right, TJ, we'll let you go for now. We uh, we appreciate it, and yes, we uh, we do need to hop back on Three Dog Thursday with you for sure. Always uh, love being on with the winning cures, everything, guys. Anytime you need me, you know where to find me. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. I'll never look at you in the same way. See ya. <laughs> There we go. TJ Reeves, at Buck Sideline Guy. You can find him on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Goodness we gracious. We just all have to get on the same page. Yeah, you got That's that all. Right. I'm just trying to unite us. It's all, all men. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see. We've Where been we at going? this for an hour. That's okay. So. Said we were going to chat tonight. Oh, yeah, we, we said it was going to be a. <laughs> are you good? Yeah. It's good. <laughs> we, uh, we got a little bit longer that we can jump in. So let's go ahead and dive right into this one. Um, Scott Cochran. Hired away from Alabama. He is the pharmacist. Al- He's yeah, gone. He, he was. <clears throat> he was Alabama's strength and conditioning coach. Pharmacist. Um. He dispensed HGH and steroids, antibiotic steroids. He did not. Facts. I would, Accusations. I would love to actually talk facts here. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, he is gone from Tuscaloosa. He is now joining Kirby Smart staff in Athens as an on-field assistant. He is going to be the special teams coordinator. So... People in the SEC are obviously thrilled about this because you look at it from really one main side. They took away the longest tenured assistant coach at Alabama, which of course is going to weaken Alabama, or so everybody believes, right? And 
Georgia, for one of their on-field roles, has hired a special teams coordinator that has never actually coached football and has never actually recruited. Well, that sounds like a Kirby Smart move to me. So, other people would believe, okay. But if he continues to be a pharmacist, then he's going to make Georgia a lot better. Okay, I won't argue with that. Um, They're going to get bigger, stronger, and faster. They're already pretty big. They're already pretty strong. They didn't look very big a couple years ago. Or last year. You don't think Georgia looked big last year? I only watched one game of theirs. They look like shit. <laughs> they they still got some big old boys. They got dusted. Um, so it, it appears that I, Alabama. I'm joking. I watched a lot of their games. It, they're, it, they're already big, strong, and fast. Yes. It, it does. Uh, Eliza Holyfield makes me believe they already have a pharmacist on staff. Oh, yeah. I think that was the first thing that Kirby yeah, probably yeah, did. Yeah. He, Scott, he Scott Steiner out. arms are not natural. That's no. that's not normal. There's no amount of curls Scott you can do. Steiner. There's no there's no amount of dips and tricep work that you can do to make a muscle form on top of a muscle. That is that is a needle right in that muscle. That's <laughs> make it make another little muscle. All right, so so tell me what you think about this situation. I think it's I think it's huge because I Gary, I know that I'm the crack pipe. I I get that. And I know that for 80% of the people out there, I'm going to lose all credibility when I say this. I have watched Alabama players come to Bama. They're big and strong and fast, and they're five stars. But, But from their senior video in high school to their freshman in college, three or four months of working out, there's no strength and conditioning coach in the world can make you grow that much. Okay. I I believe that that is enhanced. I, I believe that. Okay. Because I've seen bodies. All right. I watched Derrick Henry and I saw pictures of Derrick Henry run over Ole Miss and run over smaller schools. And by the time he got to the LSU game, he looked like he had grown three or four inches and his muscle looked far bigger and more defined. I, I don't know how that happens in a three to five month span. Okay. So I believe that. That, is, that is, I don't have any evidence because I'm not a journalist. I'm not an investigator and I don't have the resources to try to figure those things out. So I fully believe that there's no amount of pushups and squats and, and, and lifting of weights that you can do to make people grow and change and their bodies evolve the way they have at the University of Alabama. Now, the problem is if that system's in place, it doesn't matter who's in that spot. The next guy will just do the same thing. Yeah. The only issue you got is if that was real and Georgia's not doing it as well, you got a whistleblower type situation, which is why the guy went from making a hundred grand a year at Alabama to over the course of seven years making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. I would like somebody to explain that to me. That's why I have the theories I have. Oh, I can't well, he, let you go to another job because you know the secrets here that would bring us down. And the only way you can leave is if you go to another former Alabama coach that's probably doing the same thing. And so, therefore, they can't snitch on us because they get popped too. 
That mm. this is I I get that this is a crack pipe idea. Outside yeah. of the fact that he's just a strength and conditioning coach, then no, nobody gives a shit that he is gone because once again, there's only so many different ways to tell somebody how to do push-ups and squats and lunges. All these guys have the most um he's state of the guy. art state of the art expertise in working out in fitness. All of them. But it's not just an energy guy. Hell, the dude from Northwestern's got more energy than anyone I've ever seen in strength and conditioning yeah. coach. That that guy, yeah, that, that guy, that guy ain't making those dudes monsters. No, he's definitely not. So, so, th- so this is a theory of mine, based off of visual things that I have seen over the last seven years. But the other thought is, is this is another guy that's finally left Nick after a long time. I think the older he gets, the more crotchety he gets, and I think. People are just going to start to leave. Well, I mean, the, the, we've watched truth, that happen. The truth here is, um, Cochran wants to. Uh, <laughs> Matt Miller jumped in. He said Evander Holyfield passed his needle down to his uh, son. Oh, there's he didn't no Georgia. There is no question; those arms were anabolic. Yeah, that is not um, natural. No, not my, natural. So with Cochran, he it has been reported for a while that he wanted to be an on-field assistant. Yeah. He wants to eventually move into coach. a head coach role. Like, he wants to be a head coach. Now, you don't typically see that, no. right, with a, a strength and conditioning coach that transitions. Like, it, it just doesn't happen because he had – it was known in Tuscaloosa that that's what he wanted to do. Now, why he didn't leave with Kirby the first time was because, one – He went from making 300000 to $700,000. No, he so even just this past year he made six hundred and ten, but uh, still a lot of damn money for a strength and conditioning coach. He needed to stick around for two more years at that point to get his pension in the state of Alabama. So you stick around two more years, get your pension, and oh by the way, hey, they really want me to come over here. Okay, well we'll toss two hundred thousand more dollars on, and then it just continued to build. Like everybody ended up with raises every season anyway. Like that's just what happened. And if you've been there for twelve years and you started at one hundred twenty thousand, and after twelve seasons with as much money as is being brought into that program, et cetera, if you're not up to six hundred something thousand, there's something wrong. Like, no, because it's a supply and demand guy. Hundred people can do your job. Well, more yeah. than far more than that. Far more than that. You might be right, and we'll see. Um, Aaron Feld, it looks like is going to be the there next NFL. Guy. There are NFL strength and conditioning coaches right now. That could do that job, and those guys make like sixty grand a year. You need somebody that can come in, and because the the issue with it being this guy is he is the go to for the players, right? There's well, a trust that's already. All of the strength and conditioning and, coaches they spend more time a, with the players, and they know the players better than any position coach on the field, and they right. know all of them. But he is also the guy that has been with Saban the longest. He is he is. His right hand man. How much do you really things. believe that? How believe much do you? How much day to day talks does Nick have with a guy that has zero to do with game plan? I would think a lot. I see. I we, I would disagree, and that's not a that's not a crap on Nick thing. Yes, they need to tell the they need to know what's going on with the players. That could be that could be consolidated in a report. But I don't need to spend time talking to that guy when I have other coaches and we're actually strategizing game plans to where this guy says, hey, I want to implement this and this, and Nick can look over and say, "Uh, yeah, but 
what do we do if they do this and how do we counter this and how do we counter that? These are strategy conversations that are complex and really hard. Yeah, I don't think that he ever talks to I don't I don't, I don't think he ever talked to Cochran about that. I I understand he didn't. These conversations are important. That the conversations of this guy's meeting his metrics, this guy's not are all things that could be put together in a data spreadsheet and yeah. shipped to a coach. I don't know that the coach needs that relationship. He needs to trust that guy because yeah. because that guy, once again, has a better relationship with every player on the team than any coach. The coach that recruited you and your position coach doesn't know you as well as a strength and conditioning coach. Strength and conditioning coach knows what you did last night and who you did last night because he's with you in the gym while you're working out and you're talking to all your cronies. Yeah. Because when you're in the in the film room with your position coaches or on the field with them, you're not bullshitting. You're having to pay attention. Yeah. But when you're standing waiting on a squat rack to be ready – that's when you chit chat. Yeah, no, that guy knows. Right. That guy has a relationship with the players that nobody else has. But I also think there's ten thousand people in our country that have the knowledge of how to do that well, and would have high energy and be capable of doing it. Yeah, really well. No, I, I do agree with that. And the facilities at Alabama don't hurt. And yeah, Alabama's they're, they're no ridiculous. no separate to to most all of these big schools. They all got unbelievable state of the art equipment. Far, I, I'll tell you this. Far better than probably seventy to eighty percent of the NFL. Oh yes, absolutely. Because owners aren't coming out of their pocket for that crap. If you want it, pay for it yourself, players. Yeah. So, um, the other side of this is Kirby Smart has had this uh, this position on his staff open for quite some time now, and he waited until the very beginning of week two of the fourth quarter program at Alabama, which is the winter workouts that is a four-week program that leads you into spring ball. It is when teams are built. Why would he do it at the beginning of that? Um, Because you're going to get them started. No. And then... uh, Because a new guy can't come in day like the day it's supposed to start and... And you take it right. over. You would mess him up far more. Un- unless, if he's already have a plan that they've started for two weeks, I will, I'll then, tell you, you this. Then, then they have a plan going forward. I don't think that... But if you take him before the plan even gets started... I don't think that's that a big F you. Kirby went to him on Monday and said, hey, I got this job for you. Do you want it? Sure. Like, I'm sure that they have been talking about this behind the scenes. Well, they supposedly were, were the closest friends when Kirby was at Bama anyway, which is yeah. why people thought he was going to go the first time. Yeah. And then so, he got a massive raise to stay. Yeah, to stay and, and keep doing what he was doing and uh, and get his pension and all that wonderful stuff. So he'll, uh, he'll be the special teams coordinator, and if there are special teams gaffes this year, you will probably hear about it. Have many people been with Nick longer than three years? Yeah, there were some. I mean, there's not any on staff right now. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, currently, right now? No. currently, how many Alabama assistant coaches have a ring from Alabama? Because that would have been three years ago. Because the last two, they lost. I don't think there's any. There has to be some. I mean, it might be a position like a running back coach, DB coach. I don't know. Who's been with Nick for a long time? I'm sure there are some. But there aren't a lot. Is Butch Jones that's- the longest tenured guy with Nick right now? Was Butch Jones there in... Yeah, Butch Jones was there the day he got fired. I guess he was, but what was that 2016 no, no, that he was got like fired? It was like three years ago, four years ago. 
Let's uh, let's do a little. Yeah, Pruitt's going into his third year. So, oh no, Pruitt's going into his third year. Holy shit, no. Yeah, so I don't think I don't think Butch was there. For... I didn't mean to put you on the spot and ask you a question that you got to look up, and I don't really know how to Google that or look it up. But... No, no, it's all good. We'll uh, we'll figure this out. Let's see. When I thought, right, when I thought, and I'll talk about this while you're going through that. When I thought Alabama needed to start looking at red flags, is being the program that loses your coaches to head coaching jobs or promotions all the time. Good thing, not a bad thing, not something you need to look at as a negative. When you start losing coaches to lateral jobs, that's when ding 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 ding. We need to pay attention to what's going on. And he's lost two offensive coordinators to lateral jobs. I know he's lost other position coaches to lateral jobs. That that's a problem. Who who did he lose to a lateral job? Well, the the OC went to Michigan, who he left the worst oh, you, person you, in the world you, to You mean Gaddis? Yeah. So Gaddis was the OC. No, Gaddis was a wide receivers coach. Gattis and a and a quote passing game coordinator. But he was, was not the, the offensive coordinator. They had co offensive coordinators. One got the head coaching job at Maryland the other one got it at Michigan. And then who was the guy that took the job in Miami that was supposed to be your OC and showed up and Nick was like, where is Frank? And Dan. Frank Dan wasn't Enos. there. Yeah, Dan Enos was the quarterback's coach that everybody assumed was, was going to be, be the OC. Yeah. And he would rather take the OC job at Miami than the OC job at Alabama. What's a red flag, man? Nick is a hard person to work with. Yeah. And 10 years ago, we lived in a different world. We don't live in that world today. And I don't think you can treat people like shit the way he does. Let's see. I'm trying to find something. I mean, he's, he's, like Sark exactly could be his whipping long. boy as long as he wants. I think that was the best hire y'all could have ever came up with for OC. I've said that. Now, I don't respect Sark. I don't think Sark is a good coach. But I think he's the best you can come up with consistently because I don't know many programs that are going to hire that guy. Now you might be right. So at I, least you I don't have constant him. turnover. Let's see. Carl Scott has been there for a little bit. Pete Golding has been there for two years. What do these guys do? Uh, well, the guys that longer than three years or three years or more. Uh, no, I, I don't think anybody's been there for three years or longer. Like that's, that's so nobody on that coaching staff has a ring. With Alabama. Uh, they might have come no, from a championship program somewhere else. No. Um, let's see. Well, if they hadn't been there three years, they don't have a ring, Gary. No, Sal, Sal, because Sal Sanceri, like was there for a long time, and then he left, and then he came back. Okay, that's fine. So, um, da, 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 Freddie Roach. Let's see. What does Sal Sanceri do? Uh, outside linebacker's coach. Uh, Kyle Flood has been there. Let's see. I know he just joined in January of 2019. He was the former Rutgers coach, uh, Charles Huff. Let's see, he. I didn't mean to get us bogged down in the weeds on that. All right, Charles Huff, 2019 was his first season. Uh, Jeff Banks, his first season was. Uh, let's see, 2019 was his second season. Let's see, and he's the special teams coordinator. Uh, let's see, Sarkeesian, obviously, this was his first year. Uh, so this coming year will be his second season. Pete Golding, defensive coordinator, this past year was his second season. Um, let's see, Charles Kelly, do we talk about that? Nope. All right, Charles Kelly, associate defensive coordinator in safeties. Boy, this thing is now deciding to take forever to load up. 
You're good. Great? You're good. I was just I was just curious, and it makes my point of, man, this guy's a hard guy to work for. Yeah, I can understand that. I think things are going to change in, in the expectation. Now, they're always going to have players. That's the number one factor for is your program going to be successful or not, is talent, not necessarily always coaching. So that, that keeps you at the top of the heap all the time. But yeah. there's a difference between constantly being considered a top three or four school in the country and winning titles the way you used to. Yeah. Now, that, that makes – yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, long story short, Aaron Feld, it looks like, is going to be the – Oregon's strength yeah. and conditioning coach. The guy with the handlebar mustache. That, yeah. You know, just – Is he going to have to shave that? No. What are the chances that Nick just snatches it off? I don't think so. He's such a likable guy. He uh, he was actually at Alabama uh, as an assistant under Cochran. So, but did he have the handlebar mustache at that time? Uh, I think it was growing out. I don't think it was as long as it is now. I just can't picture Nick. No, I, I think stuff. because they, they let their their special teams coordinators do goofy stuff. Like Cochran is a character. He like they they advertise him. No, no, no. He wasn't the special teams coordinator, but he, he looks exactly guy. like you think. A strength and conditioning coach looks like, though. Yeah. He's he's ripped, and he is energetic. And if you go watch a video of him, he's almost exactly like Cochran. Like, the voices are almost identical. And so, it's, uh, yeah. It's That's probably fun. a good hire. That's probably a good hire. I think so. Um, You know, he it, he's already going to understand how to run it because he's running it at Oregon. I mean, and, and Cristobal runs the same thing that Saban is running. So, you're working out. You're getting guys in shape. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're pushing tires and these guys are pushing sleds, but they weigh the same, who gives a shit? No, you're right. You're trying to learn to push people out of your way. That's all football is. Yeah. Can you move somebody against their will? That's that's it. That's it. Isn't that hard? That is it. All right, let's close out with this. Uh, we, we got about 10 minutes here. Sure. Let's see. Let me write down my time first. You know how this goes. Um. Tony Grassi, do we want to close with that one? With uh, with the that's up to you. Comments about Baker Mayfield. It's up to you. I don't care. We'll go wherever you want to go. Let's do that. Let's let's talk about option B. Let's uh, option B would be college football Q and A. No, it's up to you. I don't I don't know the cues, so I don't have any answers for any of that. I think some of those we might go in depth with. We might need to just do it. Do it another time. Will they? Are they time sensitive? Can we ask them next week? Yeah, we can ask next week. We might not have a fight to talk about next week. No, no, no. We, we'll definitely be able to do it next week. Yeah. That'd be no problem. Um, all right, let's talk about Tony Grassi is a radio guy okay. in Cleveland Yep, who has it, the the Jesus Tony. Like, have you seen that? Like, I haven't what? seen that. Jesus, Tony. Like, oh, that's yeah, Baker yeah, Mayfield. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so they, they made a bunch of merch with, you know, Jesus Tony. Um, and that is because he and Baker Mayfield do not get along whatsoever. And they thought, they were talking about, you know, combine stuff and all this different kind of stuff. And they thought that the mics were turned off. And All right, so this is a situation where I thought I was having a private conversation with somebody. Yes. Okay. Well, he did. Well, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he thought I he was having, he thought he was having a private conversation because he thought that the microphones were off. He was caught on audio calling Baker Mayfield 
an effing midget. Okay. And apparently, that is a derogatory term. Yeah. And in his apology, he said sorry to any little people that he may have offended. I feel like little people is probably more offensive than midget. midget. So you 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 and I think that. So at some point in time, it was okay to say midget. We grew up, yeah, we where grew up with where that. it was an appropriate term, and then one day it stopped being. But I don't know. I don't know when it stopped being. And I don't know any, I don't know, little people that dwarfs that I could ask, what would you rather be referred to as? How would you, how would you rather be called? Like, I will tell you, I had an awkward conversation. Um, you know, I, I worked in the security field for a long time in the Memphis area. And, and I was the, the only white person that worked in, in, in many places with a lot of, a lot of black people. And, I at some point in time I just asked, do you want to be called African American? Do you want to be called black? Like how when when we're we're having this conversation, what makes you feel more comfortable and what makes you feel yeah. kind of weird? And unanimously, now this is just the people I worked with at the General Motors plant here in Memphis. Um but so they don't speak for all black people, but they all were like, You can say black people. Like it's okay. Yeah. Like we don't find that to be belittling or talking down, you don't have to say African-American. Like we actually feel weird when, when white people try to say that. Now it's these people specifically answering this question that I, I would like to, I'd like to ask, would you rather be called a midget, a dwarf? And the problem with just saying, well, we'll call them dwarfs a, is there's, yeah, there's a, a difference. There's a lot of different um, variations of dwarfisms. I mean, that would be like calling all Asian people Chinese. Yeah. Like, yes, there are a whole lot of Chinese people in the world. They make up the majority of the Asian people, but they're not all Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. There are many different Asian countries and many different Asian things. So we're getting into a little kind of a weird situation. I don't know. Joseph uh, Gomez jumped in. He said, why do radio DJs think they know football? And then, uh, Whoa, and then he, hang on. The same reason we think we know football. And, yeah. and also, I'd like to point out, just because you didn't play, this is my biggest criticism for people like Baker Mayfield. Doesn't mean you don't know football because, in my opinion, the three greatest football coaches the world has ever known, Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, never played a down of football between the three of them. Yep. You're so right. let's be real careful to say you didn't play, you don't know. Okay. Now, I don't know. I know some stuff. Yeah, I mean, we – This isn't I mean, a real complicated you, game, by the way. But you also played – well, oh, you didn't come, play pro. Uh, huh. I played, I played a little bit of high school ball in yeah. like to sophomore year, and that is it. I, yeah. I'm not. I didn't play. <laughs> right. I was you not out there on out Friday there. night lights many times. No, and and you weren't playing for championships and all that. Oh, I don't God, understand no. that. Um, all right. So back back to this. Uh, back is to the this, word bad? Apparently, it is. Did bad. it cost him his job, or did he just get suspended? He got, fired. Uh, he, he got suspended, but I I'm curious if it's fired? I, no I don't and and here's why I don't think that this had anything to do with what he called him with what he called him I think it's because he uh, they have a relationship with the Browns and they didn't want to blame it on hey you got caught talking crap about the franchise quarterback this is the problem don't, don't call him a name like that that would be offensive to somebody just call him what he is. Baker's a bitch, okay? 
He is. He is. If the nine-inch ding-a-ling jokes were about Baker Mayfield, he would not have sent out a tweet joking about himself. He would not have sent out a yeah. self-deprecate. He would have attacked people. He would have blocked everybody on Twitter, and he would have been like, you don't play, you don't know, and you don't bleed brown and orange, which this guy has probably bled brown and orange his entire life, yeah. and Baker's bled it for five minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's call it what it is. The dude doesn't know how to take criticism. He, do, If you were better, people wouldn't criticize you the way you have. But you're outspoken and you're bad at football. You can't be both and be crazy thin-skinned. And so it, it that whole thing led to what what words are offensive and what yeah. are not. So when we went okay. to watch the Wilder Fury fight the other night. This is a great conversation. Made me a little uncomfortable. Well, and, okay. because we did not know this dude was about to start shouting stuff. Well, that but in it, public. It, here's here's what we didn't know is that um, Fury so, refers to himself as Ty, the Gypsy King. Yes, Tyson Fury is the Gypsy King. We found ourselves watching. Give some context. We found ourselves watching a fight with a large group of Irish, Irish travelers. travelers. Yes, and I was like, "Oh, gypsies!" And the guy immediately corrected me and said. We find that to be offensive, and yeah, I was like, said, oh. "Irish travelers." I didn't. I didn't know that. I've never heard the term "Irish travelers" before. Yeah, but but I knew what he was talking about. So we we got into a whole conversation of we're learning things. Yeah, they were I actually really nice. Was, I didn't know really that cool. that was an offensive thing to say. I just thought that's how you describe. Yeah. It. So so then with the, I didn't know it was a derogatory term. Yeah, and he said that it was a a very offensive derogatory term. Other people have used it in a derogatory manner, but you know, they've also said, "Look at that, you know, that fat Italian." Like that, you're not you're not boasting me for being Italian. You're mocking me for being Italian. Yeah, and so I get it. I just didn't know. We didn't know it was as bad as they made it out to be. That's right. But there are a lot of words nowadays that like you just can't say. Which is, I don't. We don't get crazy on this show. No, I know. I, I, I try imagine. not to say offensive words. I mean, I, I swear a lot. And if I think you're a piece of crap, I, I call you yeah. really bad names. But but it's not anything derogatory. Here's the problem. I've never criticized somebody for what they are culturally or racially or religion or any of that nonsense. I will mock people's religion sometimes. That, sometimes. It's not true. I, I will do that sometimes. Um especially if I think your religion's fake. Not your religion being <laughs> fake, but you being a fake person and in that religion praising what you praise. Yeah. Um but it's always based on the actions and decisions that individual has made. Baker. I yeah. use the word bitch to define Baker. That's that's not appropriate. I get it. I'm just some dude that talks on a podcast. I think he's a giant crybaby. But yeah. I'm an adult male, and I'm not going to refer to another adult male as a crybaby. I don't use the word crybaby anymore. Well, you're also a a Browns fan that had bought into him, and it's a little more personal. It, it is it is personal. But even if it even if I wasn't a Browns fan, I still think. I mean, I thought the same thing about To. To's a hell of a football player. Yeah. That dude was a bitch. Yeah. Okay, I can understand that. Like like had nothing to do with his ability to play football. One of the greatest receivers of all time. Huge baby. Just unbelievably thin-skinned baby. Yeah. You know what I am not? I'm not thin-skinned. Okay? And I have none of the other attributes that these guys have that make them great. But I got one thing that they don't have. 
I got thick skin and handle it. Now there yeah. are things that people say about me that hurt me. Doesn't mean I'm impervious. <laughs> I just I'm just not going to fight with every single person that disagrees with me, man. Do you see the uh, everything's not a war? No, no, you you got that right. Did you have you seen all the stories about this guy named Dick Pound? No, his hang on, his name is Richard Pound. Yeah, R- Richard that dude's Pound. But they, dad. But, but he's hilarious. Known, he's known as Dick Pound. Well, obviously. He's, no, no. Uh, his dad did that for a reason. He, he works with the IOC, basically, and this is, we'll close on this. His uh, dad's got to be the funniest guy in his office. Oh, probably. Probably. Probably but sees the HR person I'm regularly. Sure, I'm sure that his dad is probably, probably on the other side, uh, because he's, like, pretty old. He He's one of you the- You think he's dead? Is that what you I mean think, by the other I, side? I think, I think, yeah, I think his dad might be dead because oh, like, that's he's, fine. he's well into his 60s. Okay. Or maybe 70. But he's a 70 uh, year old named Dick Pound. That's, yeah, that's even better. Story. IOC, uh, he is letting everybody know that they will make a decision in three months about the coronavirus and whatnot because they may be canceling the Olympics yep. this year because it's yep. supposed to go on to Tokyo. No, I ain't going to Tokyo. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so we'll see about that. But yeah, his name is Dick Pound, which. <laughs> immediately was trending all over Twitter and it just like it. took off. Like it. Took off. Uh props to your boy Kevin Falk, by the way. I know, I know. Talking How about awesome people leaving for lateral jobs and I wasn't upset about it at all. No, you got that. I right. was like, oh man, that dude's a hell of a recruiter. LSU gets running backs like crazy. This is gonna suck. Five minutes later, we're gonna we're gonna promote up Kevin Falk, which I didn't even know Kevin Falk was like already kind of yeah, working with the team. Of, uh, player personnel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did know that. Um, but, yeah, running backs will continue to not leave the state of Louisiana. No, you got that right. I, I'm good now. You got that right. I'm super good. All right, uh, tunicatravel.com is the website. Go and check it out. Tunica, Mississippi is the South's premier sports gambling destination. They got six incredible sports books. Again, tunicatravel.com. Showed us a great time Saturday. Oh, you got that right. Uh, Gold Strike was great. Uh all of them are great. Hollywood yep. is fantastic. Horseshoe is awesome. They were the ones um, that were showing the fight, so that's why we were there. Yeah, we were at uh, we were at Gold Strike doing that. Uh, we'll be at Samstown March nineteenth and twentieth uh, for the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, the first two days of the uh, the round of sixty four. So, uh, make sure you make your plans. Come out, hang out with us at Samstown Casino. It's going to be a good time. Uh, winningcureseverything.com is the website. You can find all of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Make sure and follow us on both of those locations. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on YouTube and hit subscribe on the podcast. Leave a nice review. We appreciate you guys. Anything else we need to hit? No, man. Thank you, guys. If you stuck with us this long, man, we appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely appreciate that. We will see you all again next time. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.